Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Everybody repeat after me. God's got something for me. Tonight, God's got something for me from the Word of God tonight. Amen? So be believing. God has something for you. He always does. He's always wanting to get something to you. He loves you that much. You know, uh, Zach, when he was up here, he said something about um, redemption and how he's so glad that Jesus, you know, paid that price. And I, I thought, man, we've got to invite more people. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I get really upset if I find out I had something available to me that I didn't get to use, like a really big coupon or, you know. I know that sounds super lame, but you know what I mean. You have, like, this great blessing for you and... You find out after the fact you could have used it and then you didn't get it. Well, there's so many people, so many people missing out. Jesus has already paid, paid for them to have an amazing life, but they don't know it. And if they'll come in here, they'll learn. And they'll start coming up here and having testimonies. Amen? So be thinking, be praying, ask God, say, who? Who can I invite? You know, be praying that your coworkers are hungry and that they're interested and they become interested in God. Be believing that you'll have utterance and you'll have something to say that will get them hungry and stirred up. I remember when I was a kid, um, my sister Cindy would come home from college and we, none of us girls got along and we, we were horrible. We called her the wicked witch of the East. (laughs) We, because she would want to sleep in on Saturday mornings, and me and my other sister, we were much younger, we wanted to watch cartoons, and where the TV was was very close to her bedroom, and so we go and we turn it on, and she had been out, this was before she got saved, she'd been out with her wild teenage friends, and so then she'd want to come in and sleep all day the next day, and so we would be blasting the cartoons, and she'd just come stomping in and just turn it off, and then go back to bed. So, can't say anymore, but we didn't like her very much. So when she got saved, we were not real open. We're like, yeah, let's see if this is real. You know, we, so we weren't open at all. And then, you know, we found out it was real, and we opened our hearts to her. But anyway, she'd come home from college, and she would not even be talking about God. But she'd say something that just got me hungry for God. And, and I didn't know it at the time, but that was utterance. And I know she was praying for us, and she was believing to minister to her family. And like I said, she wasn't even open in her Bible. She wasn't even saying anything about God, but she'd say something in a way that it just got, like, got me stirred up. Got me interested in God. Got me hungry. And it opened my heart. You can do this for your coworkers, your neighbors, people you run into. You can believe God. He will fill your mouth with his words. We have scripture on it. 
Ask me after, I'll give it to you. He will, but you have to actively believe for it. You know, we're, we're to be a witness, and that's one of the ways we're to be a witness to people. And you can do it, and it's exciting. You might not know at the moment, but you'll find out later. You know, they'll tell you. You know, you're the reason I came. You're the reason that I became interested in God. Amen? So God's good. Go ahead and open your Bibles. So what I want to talk about tonight is fear. You know, over 300 times in the Bible, it either says fear not or be not afraid. And if it's that many times in the Bible, then it's something we need to pay attention to and be aware of. You know, one of the enemy's tactics is to take advantage of what we don't know. He loves that. We have to know. That's why we're praying those scriptures on Monday night here. We, we have the scriptures laid out um, up front in Colossians and Ephesians. We have to have wisdom and understanding of the knowledge of God. We have to have this. We need to know what we walk in because if you don't, know what's available to you and you don't know what you have, the enemy will steamroll you. (laughs) He will take advantage of you at every turn. Turn to 1 Peter 5, 8. Here's the good news, though. I'll give you a second to turn there. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary. You have an adversary. Your adversary, the devil walks around like a roaring lion. That's the good news. Like he's puffing up like he's something that he's not. Like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we're all going through the same thing. And he's after your words. He's after your faith. And you need to make sure he can't do anything to you unless you allow him. And so we need to make sure we're watching our words But we need to make sure, because one of his tactics is to work through fear. And we need to make sure we're aware and we're not yielding to that. Amen? Turn to 2 Timothy 1.7. I love, love, love the scripture. I talked about this at our ladies' uh, conference back in March. Love the scripture. I had never seen it this way until right before that conference. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I had heard that scripture for years and just kind of glossed over it, and there's, there's so much good in it, and the one thing that I focused on was the spirit of fear, and I missed the fact that It's saying God has given us power, love, and a sound mind. So with that spirit of power, we have to use it. Amen? We have to use it, and we have to walk in our authority 
to take care of that because the, it, the Bible says it's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear that the enemy will use. Have you ever been fearful? Everybody in this room, have you ever felt it's tangible? Have you ever had the hair stand up on, you know, the ends of your, on your arms or on the back of your neck and you got goosebumps? It's tangible. But the good news, we can recognize it. We can refuse to yield to it. We can take our authority and tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Ephesians 1.21, you don't have to turn there, but write it down. You need to keep yourself stirred up on Ephesians 1.21 because it talks about how far above, how far above the enemy we are. Far, far above. Meditate on it. Far above principality, power, and might. That's the enemy. That's his hierarchy. That's his team. He has a structured team to go after you and to go after your faith. And we have to be wise. We have to be way ahead of the enemy, way ahead. And when you remember and stir yourself up on that scripture, who you are and where you're seated with Christ, when the moment comes where you have an opportunity to yield to fear, you won't because you've strengthened yourself. You've strengthened your inner man. Amen? So stir yourself up on it and go back um, and do it before you get in a situation where you're fearful. Amen? So turn, um, actually I'm going to read 2 Timothy 1.7 in the message real quick and then, then we'll move on to Psalms. For God, I love it in the, in the Amplified, no, the message, sorry. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I love that. I love the self-control part because you, in the midst of something that can be very fearful for you, you can remain in control and not yield to it. Amen? So we have, we have to deal with fear, right? Turn to Psalms 91.7. I want to look at this. We have to deal with it. And, and listen, God, he can't bless us full of fear. He can't. If he did... If he just continued to bless us, he'd have to meet every need on the planet in order to be fair, and that's just not the way it's set up. So there's some things that we have to deal with. We just have to. It's not fun, but it's life. Let's look at Psalms 91. This, I used to read this scripture and just like, oh, that's great. And then recently, I started looking at it a lot more closely. And you know what came to mind when I started reading this? The beaches of Normandy. Look at the beginning. A thousand may fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right hand. Think of those men on D-Day. getting The ones who survived. They were in the midst of that. Thousands. Thousands at one side, 10,000. They actually said, I wrote it down. 
4,414 confirmed deaths that day. More died after and more died all over during the war, but that day. So think about it. Think about being in the midst. And this is what God's saying. You can be in the midst of horrendous tragedy on both sides of you. But listen, he says, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. I tell Mia that all the time. She tells me stuff that goes on at the school. And I said, only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. It is not coming near you. We've got some amazing promises in here. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he, man, the promises in this, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash, dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because, because he has set his love upon me. I will deliver him. I will, there's a lot of I wills in here, I will set him on high because he's known my name. There's that knowledge you got to have. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him as if it wasn't enough. He's saying, I'm going to honor you. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There's so much good in that. But the, the, the thing that hit me the hardest was just because he's, he's telling you, you know, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to protect you. He's telling you all these things and you can kind of forget the fact that, but you may be in the midst of things that are really, really tough all around you. He's not saying you're not going to go through it and it's not going to be around you. You know, the world is going to get darker and darker, and we're going to get brighter and brighter. The church is going to shine brighter and brighter in these last days. Amen. So the enemy needs your cooperation to do anything in your life, and he wants your words, because if you speak, there's power in your words, and if you can speak, He can move in, and there's things that he can do. You can open the door. So three things really quick, and then we're going to move on, not to miss in Psalms 91. Number one, accept that you will see and experience destruction around you on both sides. And I know that sounds horrible, but you have to be a real Christian (laughs) and realize Brother Hagen used to say, you're not going to float around on, what was it, flowery beds of ease. That is not life. And you know what? God sees us in this world and in the midst of craziness, and he's so pleased with us. 
When we say, no, this is me, I'm protected, I'm far, far above the enemy, I'm not yielding to fear, I'm not yielding to the garbage that's out there, he is so pleased when we use our faith and when we speak out who we are and where we're seated, amen? Number two, what not to miss in Psalms 91, you have to make the Lord your dwelling place. That means where you live. Is he in your thought life most of the day, part of the day, once a week, once a month? He needs to be your dwelling place. There's a lot of stuff that's going to come at you, a lot of things that are going to get you fearful, worried, things on the news, and you have to control your thought life. Get control of it and put your mind, just switch it. Just say, no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the Lord. You have to force yourself to do it. You have to make him your dwelling place. Number three, it says, he shall call upon me. You do have to call upon him. You should be talking to him. We talked about that last week. Amen? He shall call upon me. It says, you have, you have to call upon him. He has to be your go-to. There's an action involved. Amen? So there's two ways the enemy works when it comes to fear. There's two things that he does. Number one, he'll fake that something is really scary and it's going to happen because he's a big faker. And number two, he'll take advantage of a real situation. He loves that too. But when you recognize what's going on, you're not going to fall for it. Amen? Ultimately, he's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to give up the words of God that he's given you, your testimony, your Christian life, your faith. He's trying to get you to just roll over and give up and quit. Or he's trying to veer you off course. That's his M.O. You know, when I was a kid... Um, I was so terrified of the dark. <laughs> and I wasn't until I uh, started watching, like, scary movies, like The Fog. Does anybody remember The Fog when they were little? <laughs> it's such a stupid movie. <laughs> Basically, like, this big old fog would come in at night, and then, I don't know, people would just disappear and die, and it was just, like, the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> But I wasn't afraid until, like, I saw these movies and then I started entertaining all these thoughts because where we lived, the fog would just, like, roll in every night up, up north. And so then, of course, because I was entertaining that, I couldn't go to bed at night. I wouldn't sleep. And I, wasn't, I didn't have, like, a light in the closet so I could just crack the door. I don't know. We just didn't have that. And I was too stupid to ask for a flashlight or something. You would have asked for a flashlight. You're a flashlight, man. So, yeah, you you didn't grow up on stuff like that, so you probably had no problem sleeping, yes. <laughs> Don't let your kids watch scary movies. But anyway, so I couldn't sleep, and so then I'm fearful, and what happened was I, would, I drank a whole lot of tea before I would go to bed. I don't know why my parents let me do that. I was just buck wild, I guess, as a kid. And so then I'm... I'm too scared to even get out of bed to go to the bathroom. So then what happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, 
submissive and I peed the bed. <laughs> and I'm talking, I'm not like four years old or like two years old. I'm like five or six or seven years old, you know, getting my butt spanked because I'm ruining mattresses. <laughs> but do you get my point? <laughs> I yielded to it and I created a bad situation because I yielded to fear, right? Let's look at Genesis 3, 8. Now you guys are going to all look at me differently. Don't act like you never peed the bed. (laughs) All right, Genesis 3, 8 through 10. You know, one, one minister, I love this, I can't remember his name, he said when the enemy would start talking to him, he, would, he said back to him one day, he said, well, why haven't you done it already? <laughs> when he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, I'm going to kill your wife, I'm going to kill your kids. He's like, well, okay, why haven't you done it? You know, it's like, that's really smart. <laughs> Not that you need to open up a whole conversation with him. But I like that. Genesis 3.8. And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, okay, this was after they messed up, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You know, they knew they screwed up and God was merciful and he'd been good to them. So good to them. And he continued to be good to them. But they immediately, after they sinned, they immediately began yielding to fear. They listened to the enemy. And listen, the enemy couldn't do anything to them until he, he started talking, Eve started listening, and then she yielded, and then everything changed. She yielded to sin she, he got her, it's, it's so crazy because it's like that scripture with all the three amazing things and I was focusing on the one negative. They had everything. They had everything amazing given to them and they focused on the one thing that they weren't supposed to. And he pulled their attention, but they could have said, nope. They could have shut it down and said, I'm not doing that. He said not to. I'm not going there. And so they immediately after they began to yield, it's interesting, they began to yield to fearing God. And the enemy immediately used that to drive a wedge between them and their only hope. God was their answer so he immediately, he, he did one thing, and then he immediately, he went, he did plan A, and he immediately went into plan B. I'm going to drive a wedge because they need him now more than ever, and I'm going to drive a wedge between them. I'm going to try to set up a wall so they don't get the help that they need. Turn to Numbers 13. You know, fear can cause you to create a bad situation or cause that fear to manifest. Think about, here's an example. People 
who may be afraid someone doesn't like them. They think no one likes them. And so then they're, they're, they're kind of rude to people. And then people don't like them. I mean, think about it. You've caused that to come on you. And the enemy knows that. He knows. He knows. He knows. He's not stupid. <laughs> He's not stupid. Job. Think of Job. Job feared. The things that he feared came upon him. Do not yield to fear. Everybody repeat after me. I am not going to yield to fear. No matter what. Listen, it's never your answer. Never. Never entertain it. Always take your authority over it. Never, never. And listen, the Holy Spirit's trying to warn you about a situation. He never uses fear. Never. It's totally different. It's so different. When God warns you, it's just a, oh, I shouldn't go there. Or, oh, I shouldn't say that. There's nothing scary about it. There's nothing fearful. God never is never going to use that. If you're terrified and scared, it's the enemy. And, and, and he can use a situation. Maybe God said, don't go here. And then you started thinking, well, why? You know, you started meditating on it. And then you can step over into fear. And you don't want to do that. Um, In that kind of a situation, if that's happened, and it's probably happened to everybody, you have to deal with that spirit. You have to deal with it, take authority over it, tell it to go in the name of Jesus. It will go. Stand your ground. Amen? All right. What I want to talk about real quick, because we don't have a ton of time, is the Israelites were a really, really good example they're a powerful, powerful example of how uh, griping and complaining can lead to fear. And then you get what you're whining about. They spied out the land after they got out of Egypt. And their response, and I'm going to read it because there's so much in this. Hopefully we have time. When, when they spied out the land and Caleb came back, They responded with, we are so little. So, what did they do? They acted little. So they looked little. So they lived little. Complete progression. Complete. Turn to Numbers 13.1 and we're going to read it. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. They had the word already. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. The God of heaven and earth. The God who just did all these miracles for them. Split the Red Sea. He said, I'm giving this to you. Spy out that land. It's yours. Go look at it. I'm giving you this land. He said, from each tribe of your fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness, according to the command of the Lord, all the men who were the heads of the children of Israel. And I'm going to skip their names. Go down to 16. 
So those were the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there's forests there or not. Be of good courage. And he said, hey, don't come back (laughs) empty-handed. Bring some of the fruit of that land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. He said, go out. He probably shouldn't have told him to look at look at all the people. See if they're strong or weak. He probably should have just said, this is our land. Go tell me how much goods are there and how much fruit. I mean, maybe he wanted to know. Maybe he was, you know, I want to know what all these goods are we're going to have. So go to 21. So they went up, they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin uh, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. It was so big, it says they carried it between two of them on a pole. So this was a very fruitful land. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So they were gone a while. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. They said, look at this stuff. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, there are some people there who dwell that are strong. They have cities. They're fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which they knew what that meant. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. So they're surrounded on all sides, basically. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Hey, you know, that's okay. He said, Let's go up at once and take possession He knew, he said, we are well able to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. I mean, honestly, did they actually see that happen, or is this just fear speaking? It looks so scary. It devours its inhabitants. And all the people who saw it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So they're seeing themselves as small. And so we were in their sight. If they were in their sight, it's because they acted small and sheepish. They started acting, you know, like, like they can't do anything. So all, even though they were well able, they're, they're yielding to fear. 
So all the congregation lifted up their voices. They cried. The people wept. And all the children of Israel complained. They complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, if we'd only died in the land of Egypt. Listen, fear is ridiculous. It makes you not even think straight. Oh, we'd have been better off dying. Better off in the place that they had been praying (laughs) to be delivered from as slaves. God has pulled them out and provided for them supernaturally and blessed them so big, and yet they've forgotten already. I think they needed their minds renewed because they'd been so stuck in that mindset of a slave that they weren't realizing who they had on their side. They'd lost sight. How did they lose sight? Probably griping and complaining. It's an easy way to do it. All right. Or only, or if only, we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Now they're imagining they're getting killed. (laughs) They're just really imagining everything. They're completely yielding to fear. Would it not be better for us to just go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, now, now they're... They're talking about, oh, we need a new leader. Get rid of Moses. we got to get somebody else. Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. It's so stupid. It makes no sense. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. <laughs> They're not helping. But Joshua, Joshua remembers who he is, and I believe he did not yield to this. The son of Nun and Caleb, the son of somebody, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is a great land, exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, and he obviously had, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. He's reminding them, this is good stuff, and he's told us we can have it. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear. And all (laughs) the congregation didn't listen. The congregation said, stone them. And then it said, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle meeting before all the children of Israel. Before I read that next part, listen, fear is, and write this down, a rejection of the Lord. It is a rejection of the Lord. And I'm going to show you right here. If we treat it like a rejection of the Lord, will we be as apt to yield to it? 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? That's how he looked at it. All their sayings, they're griping, they're complaining, they're bad-mouthing everything he had done. It's like they'd forgotten all of it. How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I've performed among them? I did all this for them. And they reject me. Numbers 14, 12. 
I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. Okay, God got pretty angry. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by he, Moses basically intercedes for them. So I'm going to, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to skip through it. And he's like, Lord, you're long suffering. You're abundant in mercy, forgiving. And he's saying, don't do this. Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and these signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times. He noticed every time. It's not funny one time. Not even one. He noticed. He's saying, I noticed every time they griped and complained and did not honor me and praise me and thank me for what I did. He noticed, put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land. He was, he was pretty much done with them. And he said, okay, I'll be merciful, but they're not going to get this land. They're not going to see it. He said, they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. There it is again. It's a rejection. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, he's got that spirit of power, that spirit of love, that sound mind. He's holding, he's, he's holding the course. He's staying the line. He's staying focused. He's not yielding to fear. He's yielding to who his God is. A different spirit in him has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants, his descendants shall inherit it. So they yielded to fear, and they rejected the Lord, and they missed out on something really, really great. Let's be like Caleb. I should have just titled this, Be Like Caleb, (laughs) with a different spirit in us, a spirit, that spirit of power, aware of that authority that kicks out fear, and does not yield to it, even for a second. Amen? God's so faithful, and he is patient. He is merciful and kind. But we have to be aware, we have to be aware of the enemy's tactics, and more aware, you know, you, you can be aware of God and who he is and where you're seated, but you also need to know there's an enemy. And you need to know how to use your authority. You need to know how to use the power of God against the enemy. And you know what? It pleases God when he sees you. It pleases him so much. When you walk in faith and you step out in faith, you say, 1,000 on my side, 10,000 on my right side. But Lord, I'm not even looking at it. I'm just looking at you. He is so pleased. You're using your faith. Because you're saying, I'm not letting the circumstances and how it looks. I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at your word that you told me. He is so pleased. He can do so much through you if you'll stay the course. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.